The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. Join Paul as he chats with today's green industry experts and leaders about how to build a successful business and live a purposeful life. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Well, a warm welcome from the beautiful state of Georgia, joined today from Columbus, Ohio, where it's actually pretty warm up there, huh? It's Caleb Almond. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. If you guys do not know who Caleb Almond is, either you're not on Instagram or you're Living under a rock, but uh, Caleb is the owner at Almond Landscapes. They're a landscape design and build company, and uh, I'm honored to be friends with Caleb. We talk nearly daily on social media, and we're going to learn a lot from you today, Caleb. I appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday to join us. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm flattered to be here and, and just excited to be on, on your podcast. Absolutely. Well, when did you get into the green industry? Tell us a little bit about those early days. Well, I, I started out like most folks do, um, mowing grass and, and doing all that stuff like uh, probably most anybody does in the, in the, you know, in the landscape world. And, and uh, actually, my neighbor started a company before I uh, was old enough to drive. And I worked for them for a few months and quickly realized I didn't want work for anybody else it just wasn't working out wasn't jiving real well with me and uh, I mean they were great to work for and everything I just realized like I wanted to run my own show so as soon as I got my driver's license um, I began to kind of plan for uh, starting my own my own company and and uh, so I, I borrowed like 600 bucks from my grandma to, bar, to buy a little 5 by 10 single axle trailer and then I bought a little uh, X mark 48 inch walk behind uh, X mark Metro uh, walk behind mower and bam man I was in business and I was uh, I was uh, just so excited it was ridiculous I, wow so you're I about 16 so years old yeah exactly i was six, 16 years old and i was so excited to cut my first yard for hire the client turned me away because it was too early in the season they're like yeah we don't quite need the grass mode yet because it was like <laughs> february or something i was so excited to, to do my first my first property that they actually t- turned me away because i was so early in the season wow well we've talked off air quite a bit and you were excited you're 16 but you've been you didn't really know much and you got yourself into some trouble there in the early days yeah and and, and uh, we, we really kind of rolled along fine for a long time. And, uh, you know, and one of the things, too, we, we work actually in a, in a small uh, rural demographic just southeast of Columbus, Ohio, in, uh, in Carroll, which is in uh, Fairfield County, Ohio, which is just uh, you know, southeast of Columbus. So, um, you know, down here, we were, I was just excited to be in business. And that's all I cared about was just actually getting the work. And I didn't, didn't care so much about the numbers. And that put me on a trajectory of, uh, like, imminent failure at some point. And it, it finally caught up with me a long time later. But, um, it uh, was one of those things I learned a lot as I went. And, uh, and eventually it all culminated uh, to, like, pretty much just complete failure in 2008, like, 9-ish. And, uh, you know, a lot of the lessons my dad had been trying to teach me financially over the years um, you know, kind of came to a head of, you know, Caleb, uh, you're spending a lot of money at the, the bars and restaurants every night of the week. And, and I was young too, man. I mean, what, from 16 to, you know, nearly 26, you know, just kind of, you know, I was in, I was going to school at Columbus State in a landscape design build program. So I was doing that and I was just young and I was just psyched on, uh, you know, running a company. And the big thing I thought, you know, forever was that gross sales would save me. I thought, you know, if I can get to a million dollars in gross sales, it really doesn't remember, really doesn't matter you know, what my actual numbers are, because it's just, I got to hit this certain dollar figure before I can really even be, you know, 
I guess almost successful or or whatever at some point. And that was a, a mindset that really really messed me up there early on. Wow. So what kind of turned it around then for you? Um, you know, they kind of always talk about like hitting rock bottom kind of deal. And I finally, you know, hit a point where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired and, uh, you're just tired of being broke and jobs not going right and not making any money. And, and, uh, you know, I was behind on taxes and payroll taxes and sales taxes and all this stuff. Just cause I, like I said, I was putting all my emphasis on the work. We always did good work. And that's what I was always passionate about. Uh, you know, cause you know, just a few years after, mo- you know, in the being in the mowing grass, I, I wanted to get into more of the const- hardscape construction work and just landscape contracting in general. So we started branching out into that, and that's where numbers will really murder you because, uh, you know, now you've got job costs, not just, uh, you know, project costs. You've got material costs and all that stuff. If you're And if you're not um, uh, recovering that properly, and then you get throw employees in the mix because I just want to be Joe Big Time Contractor, you know, right off the bat. And uh, so I had employees earlier than I should have, trying to do all the tax withholding stuff, still be in the field and sell and, and repair everything and just all that stuff. And it, it really was overwhelming. And to get where I wanted to be size-wise, I needed to learn delegate more. And that's something I really didn't get good at uh, delegation-wise until I was uh, a, a lot older, I guess, or, or more mature or whatever, you know, in the industry. So uh, kind of one of those things, once we really figured out, like, I need to be out of the field if I wanted to take the company where I wanted to go. I need to be out of the field. I need to have people that are reliable in the field um, that can make, uh, you know, you know, it's a machine, right? So, like, if your people in the field aren't doing a good job, it doesn't matter how good a job I'm doing in the office. And if I'm not doing a good job in the office, the field falls apart after that, too. So hmm. it's really, you know, this kind of gear and cog machine that everybody's going to be doing a, a good job in. And uh, so once I really started figuring that stuff out is when we began to progress a little bit. That's awesome, Caleb. Well, I really want to pick your mind about how you actually price these jobs. So you work with your wife. She's technically the owner, isn't she? Correct. Yeah. And I was going to mention that. Yeah, I technically work for her. My fancy title is operations manager. So I'm a salaried employee of the company and I work for her. She signs my paycheck. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So. You guys get a call through your marketing and somebody sees, oh, wow, Almond Landscaping there in Columbus, the Columbus Dispatch actually ranked you guys as the top five landscapers in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus Dispatch, I used to live in Ohio. That's that's the newspaper there in Columbus. Yeah. So congratulations. So someone's like, wow, these guys do great work. You got a referral. Forever what, for however they get a hold of you, they call your offices. So take me from that initial call to landing the job and how do you get the pricing um, from sure. that step? Our, you know, my big thing, uh, you know, is I, I really strive to, to brand locally as much as I can. And, uh, you know, here in Fairfield County, we really are heavy on referrals and just branding in general. So with our logo, we've got our logo on everything. We've got logo on job signs out in front of properties and all that. But, you know, when, when a call comes in, I really want to try to vet that call uh, very immediately. And, and for us, that, that's appropriate because we're a very small company. You know, we've got three, uh, well, three and four full-time guys, depending on the time of the year. Um, you know, our average sales in the past have been about a half million dollars, 450 to 500,000 in sales uh, here for a few years. And uh, so we try to vet our calls uh, pretty heavily because I don't have a lot of time because I'm the only sales guy, I'm the only operations guy. And so I don't have a lot of time to look at a lot of, a lot of work. So we vet our, uh, vet our leads very carefully. And, um, 
And, and if we were a larger firm, if we had salespeople, you know, working for us, we'd be going on every lead, every person that's, you know, calling in, we'd be trying to, you know, move on that, you know, move on that lead. But I, you know, because they come in just to me and I can't book, you know, appointments all week for leads that aren't going to go anywhere. We need to have very serious clientele right off that. And uh, so tactfully and carefully, we, you know, we work through a phone call of figuring out what a client's looking for, why they called us, where they found out about us. Um, I tactfully ask if they have uh, any anticipation of what the job might cost or if they've have a, had other quotes already. Um, and I even, you know, based off what they tell me, I, I will even sometimes just say, well, okay, we do a lot of projects like that. They hover in the ten to $20,000 range or just whatever. And so we kind of run through them, but, but very tactfully, you know, because you don't want people to feel like, you know, they're just, if you're not a big client for them, you don't care about them. Right. Uh, so doing that tactfully, I can't stress that enough. And, and I could go into that for a long time, but, uh, you know, everybody's going to figure out their own systems and stuff. But um, so, we, you know, we vet them very carefully. Uh, we have a, usually for anybody that's not directly in my immediate zip code here, uh, we charge a consult fee for of $50. And that really weeds people out quickly too. Like, um, but the thing we've noticed about that is, you know, we, we contract on about eight of 10 jobs or, you know, about 80% of our lead that we go and they pay a $50 fee we contract with them wow. because they are very serious clients at that point. And that's a nominal, that's a minimal fee. I mean, that's nothing. It's really, it doesn't cover hardly my fuel ever to go look at projects. You know what I mean? But it, it vets people immediately. And what I end up finding out is a lot of the people that hire us are working professionals themselves and they understand the value of time. So for somebody, and we're the only people in our area to charge a consult fee, the only people that charge a consult fee in our area. So it's just absurd to some folks You're like, well, so-and-so is coming out for free. And I said, that's, that's absolutely fine. And they're a good company and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we, you know, we kind of work through that stuff too, but we, we do lose out on a lot of opportunity. I'm, I'm sure of that, but at the same time, like we're still always booked out six weeks about any given moment. So. Wow. So uh, you, do you just tell right them, now, Caleb, when they get to call and they're a little outside your area code, you just say, Hey, uh, I'm going to drive out there and we'll take a look at it, but you, you need to give me a check for $50 while I'm on the property looking at everything or how do you collect that? Yeah. So, you know, so, early, you know, so again, in the conversation, like we'll talk and, you know, say, and, you know, we'll, you know, however I broach it at that moment kind of varies just based on the conversation we're having, but I'll say, okay. And then I, I have a, a $50 consult fee that covers me coming out, uh, be it during the daytime or in the evening. And, uh, generally our consults last about an hour, hour and a half. We're going to look at everything on the property from shrub issues, drainage. Uh, my goal is to provide you as much value as possible for that $50 and that time spent. Uh, of course, an estimate is included or a price, you know, pricing schedule is included. And, uh, and then even on some jobs, we'll even include like a patio detail of like a concept if it's a patio project or something like we can because again once they pay 50 bucks we know they're ours pretty much like we we're really locked in pretty good so i don't mind giving away some design stuff very minimal stuff but i don't mind you know like i said the goal is to, to vet not to make money off that consult the goal right, is right, to right, vet right, right. very serious and he's ready to roll fast you know what i mean so um so that's just because i don't have a lot of time to to really goof around with with people that aren't you know sure of their purchase or you know whatever right so, what's some yeah, Real quickly, I'm curious, what's some red flags that you instantly, when you're on the phone with someone and they say something, you instantly are like, oh, no way we're doing this. Is there things that the you've kiss, kind of picked up on? That's a great question, Paul. And the, the kiss of death immediately, first, if the first phrase out the gate is, do you give free estimates? I am I'm so disengaged from that phone call so fast. It's probably not good as a sales guy to be that disengaged that quickly because I know immediately they're price shopping solely. Mm. And so that to me right there is just it. Oh, I can't even tell you how 
disenfranchised to become with the situation at that point. Because I would be willing about 99% of the time, they're they're very price conscious and seeking the lowest price only. And uh, and there's nothing, I understand that. There's, I shop the lowest price on everything I purchase nearly. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that, but I want quality, you know, part and parcel with that, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm buying stuff, there's very few times I'll actually just solely go on price because I understand, you know, there's, there's a quality element involved with price usually. Um, so, but that's, man, that's a, the kiss of death right out there. Or, uh, you know, I, I want to have you out to give me some ideas. That's another mm-hmm. one. It's kind of like, well, for those ideas we charge, you know, for our experience and for our schooling, we charge a $50 fee to come out. So we get to the pricing structure very quick when, when people phrase it that way, you know, then, um, or we're having some people out to quote work, you know, if they immediately mention to they're having multiple estimates, that's a red flag to me too. Not not nearly like do you get free estimates, but it's 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 getting up there because it's like again really heavy on price shopping, not quality shopping. Hmm. But I'll tell you the the green flag is is uh, well so and so gave me your number. We're going to give that that we're going to give that lead every bit of attention I possibly can because it's a referral and referrals are golden. Hmm. And uh, we do everything to, to walk through this we possibly can. Now, once in a while, I'll waive the fees on, on referrals, but I will. I have gotten to where I've, I've waived uh, referral fees for anybody right in my immediate zip code within you know five miles of our shop or so because we're trying to do as much local work as possible between my house because my house is about like two miles from my shop. And so if we can not pay the guys to sit in trucks that whole time, I really want that job. So if it's a local job, I will give it a little extra you know attention. Even if I don't feel good about it, I just want to make a good impression on those people because they're local. And so I'm really big on local work. Like last year, we probably did about $150,000 or more within you know two or three miles of our shop. Mm. And uh, and that's that's so big to me because we're not paying guys to sit in a truck to drive 30 minutes away. So those local leads are just so important to me that I, I really try to give them the extra attention if I can. So. Awesome. Well, walk me through your expertise from what you've learned here from age 16 to where you are now. You're out on the property. They, they called and said, hey, Mrs. Johnson said you did such a great job on her pavers. We're really close friends with them, and we want you to come out and redo our back patio and put in some new plants. And uh, you say it's fifty bucks, no problem. You you know you got it in the bag pretty much. So what what do you what's your next step when you get on the property and you're measuring everything and talking to them? How do you come up with your numbers then to what you're actually going to charge them and what pr- structure do you do thirty you know. A third down, a third win. Like, how do you do all that? Right. Well, you know, so, you know, after we, we settle things out on the phone, we set an appointment, I will go to that appointment. Now, you know, just, just here on this podcast now, like a few days ago, I totally missed an appointment. So I, I never want to come across. It's easy to talk a good game, but I, I always want to, you know, be sure to mention I, I, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, and I never want to come across as such. You know, heck, I missed a meeting the other day, and it cost me the job. So, uh, because I was on a, I was on a job, we had a con- live concrete pour real early in the morning, and I completely forgot about this. I didn't check my calendar in the morning because I was worried about was a stupid concrete pour, and uh, I totally missed this meeting. And there's nothing worse, man. I hate missing consults. It's just absolutely terrible. So, you know, we're not perfect, but anyhow, we get on, uh, <laughs> but we get on the job site. I meet with them. We talk about what they want to achieve with their new landscape or their new patio. Um, you know, what their goals are, what their desires are, what their budget is. We do talk budget, you know, fairly like midway to at the end of the conversation about figure out, you know, do they have a budget of, you know, $5,000, $10,000, $200, you know, things like that. So we really want to define budget as early as possible because um, it doesn't do me any good to design them a $40,000 landscape if they only want to spend, you know, $1,500, right? Right, or, right, right. You know, or for any a quantity, right? Because most of our jobs average about ten to $20,000. That's kind of our, our wheelhouse. That's mm-hmm. right where we're at for stuff where 
work with and uh, and stuff. So we can get in and out of those jobs in one to two weeks. And that's like a great, great project for us. So, um, you know, so we go through that stuff. Then uh, generally what we'll do is we'll return a call, uh, or I'm sorry, we'll return the, the proposal with a uh, – with a design through generally through email because there's a lot of revisions usually and stuff like that and uh, they give us the green you know we give pricing we get they give us the green light and then we draft a contract uh, you know contract paperwork and uh, the way we've gotten to breaking down our job cost wise now is uh, through the draw system and I, I owe this uh, to to two people one is Eric Triplett the pond digger who really encouraged me to get on the draw system and uh, a client of mine Tracy McNaughton who runs a big electrical division here in here in the Midwest of a big electrical company and they both those guys really encouraged me to do this and what and what that does is it breaks jobs down into instead of just 50 percent down and 50 percent on deposit or on you know on completion where you know at the beginning you know i have a lot of leverage because i've got half that client's money and at the end they've got a lot of leverage because they've got half my money mm-hmm. um it, it breaks it down to where i believe it's more fair for all parties involved so let's say a twenty thousand dollar project we break it down into in general five four thousand dollar draws and so the first draw is on you know contract signature and schedule you know scheduling and we schedule ours very 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 well and it's uh it's good for us but it's good for the client too because instead of them writing a check for 50 50 you know they've only written a check for 20 percent and so it's you know it's there's very little risk for them should i get hit by a bus or if it's another flaky contractor you know contractor up and runs um but you know as soon as uh so we do the 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 uh, scheduling deposit, then we do a first day on site deposit, and then we do a materials on site deposit. So when all the pavers come and all that, and then we do a production or a performance draw, which is like after, you know, two or 400 or whatever, you can craft this any way you want. Uh, that number of uh, pavers are laid, we receive another draw. And then the last draw on completion plus any change orders. And it's been wonderful for, for us for cash flow. It's great for our client because they're paying for what they're getting as they're getting it. And um, it's really the most fair system, I believe, for both contractor and uh, and uh, homeowner or project owners. So that's been good for us. And then when it comes to pricing, Paul, um, if you want me to go into that, I think everybody wants you to, Caleb. Everybody wants to know, right? So the big the big thing is, and this is where I went bro- this is where I went broke the first time. I didn't really truly know my own numbers, and I didn't know how much money I wanted to make or needed to make even. And so there's there's the, the, the right way to do it is the multiple overhead recovery system or the more system. And I don't, I actually go more single overhead recovery because I'm just not smart enough to do the, the multiple yet, but we're going to switch into some software that might help us be better about that. But the biggest thing is just recovering uh, like the late Charles Vanderkoy. Um, and if you want to know real, real, the real dirty about job pricing is look up Charles Vanderkoy and he's, he's now passed. He was the guru of the multiple overhead recovery system. And he uh, was always, he signed a book that I bought from him and he, he signed it overhead recovery and that was that was his and then he signed it and that was his thing but um the biggest thing is just knowing your numbers knowing what your overhead is a month knowing what your shop rent is what your truck payments are what your phone bill is anything that has to do with your company um so things like office expenses and, and your shop rent and stuff like that's called indirect overhead then you have direct overhead which is the actual materials to that job and so just knowing your cost is the biggest thing. And then the way we figured out of, you know, what we're going to price a job at per hour, because you need to know how many hours a job is going to take you. And I still don't do this perfectly. And we're working, still working on getting better at this. Sometimes it's a guess. 
of like, man, I think this is going to take this many hours. And then sometimes I can reference past jobs getting to build this big sheet of like production rates of like, okay, X amount of square footage of this type of pavers in this condition, we can lay in however many hours. And so a lot of it is an experience of saving your numbers and tracking your jobs from past and knowing, okay, I can put down this many tons of river rock in this many hours with this many guys in a wheelbarrow and a pickup truck or a dump truck and a skid steer loader or whatever. So tracking that stuff as you go along in your career is so important. I can't stress that enough of figuring out your own production rate. And, and mind you, you know, your production rates versus your guys' production rates are going to be two different things because your, your guys aren't going to work as hard as you do about ever. Right. So you need to be realistic about your production rates too once you grow and have employees. So, you know, keep those things. Um, you know, then we, then we get, in, get into the actual pricing of it. So like for us, we work an average of uh, 44 weeks a year. So we're in Ohio. We don't plow snow. We work about 10 months a year, give or take. And so we, we kind of have been pricing our number, you know, doing our numbers off of working about 1,300 billable hours a year. And that's 30 hours a week for 44 weeks. And so it's 1,300 hours. So I'm not going to give exact numbers here, but let's just say I wanted to pay myself $50,000. And I'm right there. So I, I take 50000 divided by 1,320 hours. And I know, okay, we've got to make $38 an hour just to cover that salary, an owner's salary. Wow. And then once you have crewmen, you begin to divide that out through your crewmen. And, and so let's just make it 40 and say you got 10 guys. Well, right there, you got to charge on top of what you pay your guys. You got to charge an extra $10 an hour, bill them out at 30 hours a week to make your salary work. And so, and this is, this is a, a brief overview. There's, this is so much to drill down on and any accountant or anybody else could drill me down on this and pick me apart on some of my numbers and stuff, which is fine. But this is just the big picture. So bear with me here. Um, and then you've got to figure in like what's your what's your rent and what's your phone bill and all that stuff and how does that relate to those those 1,300 hours, and that begins to build you a picture of like what you need to charge per hour and that's why it's important a to have low overhead um, you know keep your costs on your company down as low as you can stand it but but still be efficient and profitable right so you know you still need good machines and you still need that and then you've got to price in you know what your machinery costs but that needs to be more per job see this is big. Paul, this gets all nuts, like all of a sudden. This is like a three-hour phone call, not a, a quick podcast. So you cut me off when you need to, man. But this is just why I stress so much, man, the importance of knowing your numbers. And we're still not perfect with it. We're still learning every day of what works, what's not working. Every year we're learning what's working, what's not working. But the big thing is just figuring out your cost, what your average hours are a year, and beginning to kind of divide that out. I hope to give you a picture of, of what, you're, what you're working for and towards, and that will help you uh, begin to be profitable, I believe. Wow, this is so good, Caleb. And you're right, man. I I, I got to <laughs> honor normal. your time. Oh I know it's Sunday night, and you, you got your family. But this I got is lots of time, Paul. We're good, buddy. This Sorry. is so good. Well, transitioning into your family, what is it like? I'm single. I mean, I'm I want a wife. You know what I mean? And 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 children. But I'm sure there's some days, and you can elaborate a little bit of you. You know, you and Brittany are attached at the hip. I, I see you on Snapchat in the morning. You know, basically in the same office working. What is it like to? have your wife own the company and work with her daily it's it's actually awesome for me and for her i don't know it's probably not so great because uh, she's got to work with me man and i'm a big pain in the butt and i'm i'm resistant to change that she wants to bring into the organization and, and uh, i'm picky and i'm you know all this stuff and she she's super cool and she deals with all my bull crap and uh you know she's forward thinking with adapting new software and stuff and i'm kind of old school guy and you're know, the most dangerous phrase in english language is well, we've always done it this way. Mm. That's the worst thing you can say ever. And I, I, I do like to think I'm not too bad about being stuck in my old ways. But, uh, you know, being being open to new stuff is super important, like a new software we're wanting to, to you know, to uh, implement here soon. And I was kind of hesitant to do it at first, but now I'm, now I'm on board and I can't 
can't wait to get this new software involved for accounting and job costing and stuff like that. So uh, what I tell people about working with your spouse or your significant other or whatever, on days when it's good or even days when it's great, it's okay. And then on days when it's bad, it's freaking terrible. Um, because, you know, not only do you leave the office with all the work burden, you go home and you're both still worried about the same work stuff or, you know, quarreling over, you know, a dis- business decision that was made or, or whatever. So, but, you know, at the end of the day, Paul, I wouldn't have it any other way. I can't ever go work for anybody else. My backup career is a farmer and it'll be just as stressful as anything. So, uh, you know, working with her is just awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't complain. That was a, a long answer to a short question. I don't even know if I hit your question fully, Paul, but, uh, you know, working with her is awesome. And, uh, I've got no complaints. Totally. Well, I, I'm impressed with how innovative you are, especially with Instagram. I've been watching over this last year and you'll put out these videos. Well, some of them you'll have your wife in it and that's <laughs> that helps out a lot. But you'll have all these videos on, on Instagram and it's 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 views on these you know daily videos and you're putting these beautiful pictures of these um paver jobs that are half completed. And it's just, I, I look at your Instagram and to me, it's like you do a very good job. So- how do you plan out what you're going to post and how often you post and all of that? Or do you just wing it? What's your kind of Instagram strategy here? The only Instagram strategy I have is to post frequently and try to make it of value. After that, fortunately, I love it. So it's just whatever comes out, comes out. Like I don't love Twitter and I have to push myself to post on Twitter and all that. But I love Instagram. I love the spontaneity of it. Like I can just jump on there, talk about something. It's there. Paul, at the end of the day, it's therapy. It's cheap therapy for me, man, because all this stuff's going through my head, especially in my daily stories of like, man, look at this shrub. It's having issues because the, 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 you know, the water is pulled all around it and the grading has changed. So this thing's drowning or, uh, you know, check out this retaining wall that's beautiful or is failing or whatever. I try to point out good and bad in project and, uh, and even point out our own flaws and successes. So, dude, I just love Instagram because it's just a journal for it's a journal and it's therapy for me to get out what's in my head. And uh, because I've just immersed myself in the industry so hardcore that, like, it's just I'm just happy to talk about it, which, um, you know, I, I'm, I've been told it helps people. I don't know, but I just enjoy it so much. It's not work to me. Um, so I, I just love Instagram. I love sharing it. So it's, I, it's just daily therapy. I keep saying that, but man, it is. So Absolutely. And for everyone listening, if you guys do not follow Caleb Allman, on Instagram. His main account is Almond Landscape. It's Almond Landscape or Almond Landscaping? At, it's, uh, what is my Instagram? At Almond Landscape LLC. My foreman has just at Almond Landscape, but he doesn't post very much at all. Um, so at Almond Landscape LLC is mine. And on any other social media stuff, that's that's our handle too, at Almond Landscape. So uh, yeah, that's, that's me there. And I will say it is very educational. I mean, every day you're bringing value and you're bringing, it's not some Instagram model that's just like, hey, look at me. You're, you're, you're poster hey we're doing a job site and this is a tip that you might want to consider and and it's very well put together i think you do uh, an incredible job on your instagram you just hit ten thousand uh followers didn't you yeah just uh, a couple three weeks ago and that was really cool and uh flattering and uh just really neat to, to hit that number it's really really kind of a big milestone i guess and it was really cool and the biggest thing i was most excited for about it and it was kind of a goal to hit that at, at a certain point because i can now post links in my daily story mm. so if there's like a there's a if there's an article that i think is cool on in the hardscape world or whatever i can now post that link so it's like instead of me trying to break down like hey this this construction detail says this and this and this i can now post a link in my story 
to whatever I'm talking about. And I'm like, hey, if you're interested in this, check this out, blah, blah, blah. You swipe up, all that crap. And uh, and that's been the coolest thing because now I can send people directly to the, the Interlocking Concrete Pavement Institute's uh, website for construction details or National Concrete Masonry Association uh, website for retaining wall details. And, and so that's been the coolest thing is that I can now share that stuff so much easier. Uh, so that's been, that's been neat. And I do want to plug for Caleb. And I know I've talked to so many people that listen to the podcast. A lot of guys are lawn care guys. And I think Caleb and I could argue that the profit margins in landscaping, hardscaping is just so much better uh, than lawn care. But And there's a lot of guys listening that are in landscaping uh, as well. But Caleb, you have a course that you have put together. I know you've taken so much time to put this together. We actually teach how to install pavers. And I know there's so many people out there that are like, man, I... I want to start learning more how to do these, you know, 10, 20, 30,000. I know we were talking earlier this year. You're like, yeah, I just quoted a $93,000 job. I'm like, what? $93,000. That is, and you got it. I mean, you, you, you landed the, the gig. Yeah, it was crazy. It was cool. But there's a lot of people out there, Caleb, that would love to know what you know about these pavers and how to do it professionally. And you took the time to make it possible uh, that we can learn. And I'm so thankful I had your, your course the first round. And you've re- done a revision, made it even better, made it electronically. Tell us about it. Um, yeah, we're super psyched on it. And, and the reason, the first reason we put it out is early on in my Snapchat and Instagram game, because I was just, just trying to bring value and just, again, treat it like I do now, just always talking about projects and the ins and outs of it and stuff. Was, I was getting so many questions about, like, well, how do you do this? And how do you, how much compaction you do? And all this kind of stuff. I'm like, there wasn't a single source on YouTube where it just had everything that I wanted in the video to like point people to. And like, well, you know, just like go check out this YouTube video. And so I was like, we're finally just like, how oh, the heck with it? We'll make one. We'll make it ourselves. And uh, so we shot one. We did, we MVP'd it. Minimum viable product. We just we just threw it together. It was good content, but the audio quality was okay, and the video quality was. Uh, somebody mentioned it was like the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> it was dark and grainy. It wasn't really, the video quality was not very good. So. Um, we, we did okay in the sales of that thing. And again, the goal in that was to help people and to cover our costs. We got a few thousand dollars wrapped up in that thing in a hurry. I couldn't believe it. Like, I thought, ah, we'll spend a couple grand in this thing. We ended up having like four or $5,000, three, no, wait, three or $4,000 wrapped up in that thing. So we, I hired an attorney to do some legal stuff, make sure we hopefully wouldn't get sued and all this stuff. And, you know, all this crazy stuff you don't think about when you say, yeah, we'll make a video. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so you know, so that was okay, and people loved it, and we're like, well, let's make an actual really good one that's good to watch and fun to watch, and and so we reshot it, and and the, the lighting's real good, and the machinery in it's better than our first one, but all the techniques and industry standards are there, uh, just like it was in the first video, but it's just a lot better to watch, and cleaner, and uh, we're just just silly excited about it. So thanks, Paul. And when are you uh, releasing it to society? <laughs> it drops. It drops December 5. That is our hard date now. So wow. uh, it's supposed to drop this weekend and then the last minute because like, there's some things on it. So like, this has to be in here. This information has to be in here. My brother got my brother doing editing work for us. He got all mad and he's like, dude, we're not going to be able to drop it this weekend like we planned on, you know, December December 1. And uh, so we had to push it back a few days to get this extra 20 minutes of stuff in it. And uh, But, I mean, the thing, if things pushing two and a half, three hours long, it could be four hours long if I had everything in it I wanted in it. But everything that's in it now is all the you know, interlocking concrete pavement institute standards. 
And uh, it's it's super it's a super good value. And you know even still there's you know even if you don't buy the the course and you want to learn pavers, go to the Interlocking Concrete Pavement Institute ICPI.org. Go to their website. They've got all the paver details and paver specs of how to build paver stuff that you could want. Um, there's tons of there's tons of resources out there. So it's not you know this just isn't the and the only one available. You know what I mean? I don't want anybody to ever think that that we're the only the only game you know in town. Like um, you know my goal is to is to help guys that want to get in the industry get in the industry and do it right. And so I. I I highly recommend looking into ICPI, the Interlocking Concrete Pavement Institute, and then for retaining walls, it's NCMA, National Concrete Masonry Association. Okay. And there's all the details in the world you could want there to learn how to put this stuff in. I think our videos are, are just a great, like, real life, real talk, um, you know, step-by-step, you know, install process of how to do it. And so hopefully that's where we bring value to that. And then if someone wants to get it, where do they go to actually uh, get it? Because you can download the video online, right? Right, yeah, and you can. And right now you go to howtoinstallpavers.net is our website. We're going to push it through. Um, but if you go to my Instagram page in our bio, we'll have a link there. So um, awesome. but don't hesitate. If, even if you don't buy any of the stuff, I don't care. If you have a paver question, reach out to me at DM in uh, Snapchat or Instagram. I'll help you out anyone I can. I'm, I'm all about that. So. Awesome. So Almond, Almond Landscaping LLC on Almond, Almond, No ING, Paul. It's just Almond Landscape, Landscape LLC. Yes. Almond Landscape LLC on Instagram. Now we're going to release this podcast December third. You might have to wait two days, but uh, that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Wait till the fifth, and uh, if you, if that interests you, uh, if you want to learn how to install pavers and, and be big like Mister Almond, dropping these ninety three thousand dollars jobs. Now that's and, that was our Paul. You know, in fairness, buddy, I hate I don't want to cut. I hate to cut you off, but you know that was one project that we did this year, and actually got scaled back to like seventy seven, and it was a total. Uh, it was actually a, a children's playground that we that we uh, built in conjunction with some other contractors, but it was our biggest job to date. But again, most of our jobs hover the ten to $20,000 range, so I don't want to act all ball or all crazy and anything, because there's companies on Instagram and around that do way bigger jobs, way higher-end projects. We're just, you know, we're here trying to put in nice projects for our, you know, for Fairfield County, um, and, you know, build quality stuff and provide for our families and my guys' families and uh, enjoy what we're doing, man. And that's, that's our goal at the end of the day, you know, so... Awesome. Well, Caleb, I deeply appreciate our friendship, and I, you, you, I have so much respect for you and Brittany and your business, and I'm, I'm honored to get to hang out with you every day on the social media, and I appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge with us today. Well, thank you, Paul, and back at you, man. I, I'm like to be here, and I wish the best of luck with the podcast. It's, it's, it's good. It's so good, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. So thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. Awesome. We'll be in touch. Check them out. Almond Landscape LLC on Instagram. Thank you, Caleb. Thanks, buddy.